Woke up quick at about noon. And welcome into the podcast with Damian Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar, where you can check out their three locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. Get the superfood smoothies, acai bowls, and organic cold-pressed juices, especially with this 100-degree weather about to hit us. Welcome into the June 3rd edition, 365 days of the podcast with Damian Barling, 208 episodes, 206 Different lines from The Office used as show titles. I appreciate you guys so much for the support you have shown me, for the support that you have shown this show uh, for the last 365 days. Uh, By the way, I mentioned the 206 different lines from The Office. The the two shows that didn't have uh, lines from The Office's titles were uh, A Change Gonna Come, which is just a couple of days ago, and then Kobe. Uh, That's also a tradition that's got to come to an end today. Uh, as much uh, it, that was just an organic thing that was birthed. It was something I brought over from the lowdown. I don't know how many months straight we did, uh, but it kind of became it, 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 I, it was an inside joke, but it was a joke that we let everybody in on. Like we we were going each day somehow referencing the office um, and it started out as just a thing because you know Chris and I in particular really love the office Jason was you know was trying to get into it and every once in a while he'd throw a gem out there that we weren't expecting and that's something that I wanted to carry over uh from the lowdown here onto the podcast uh but I've st- 206 different titles later I'm starting to lose track of what lines I've used what lines I haven't and I'm holding on to one and if it hadn't been for you know, like the overwhelming end of the world happening right now, you know, between uh, you know the protest in the streets and George Floyd and COVID-19. And, you know, we'll get to the latest on the Grant Napier situation here in just a minute. I was I'm I always if you ever see the title. So if you're familiar with The Office, you know, the last line spoken on The Office is uh, there's a lot of uh, beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that the point? You know, Pam utters those lines before, you know, that's how the show ends. That is the the last line of the show. And my plan, like, and and, and I decided to hold on to that title because that's going to be whenever the last day of this podcast comes. And it has been on the verge of coming many, many, many times. (laughs) Chris, that one's for you, dog. Um, It's been near the end many, many times. Um. But I've held like I just I haven't ended it. So if you if if you ever open up the podcast app and you see there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things, there's a good chance that that's the last show. Uh, I can tell you this though the the show has never been hotter than it is right now, and we work 365 days. And I say we because you have helped me every step of the way. I don't have a staff. I don't have a media team behind me. Uh, you guys have posted on social media. You you've shared what I'm doing. Even recently, uh, Relive launched. I couldn't I couldn't wait anymore. So I launched Relive last night at about eight o'clock. I was so excited to get that podcast out for you. So uh, that's available for you whenever you want to go check it out. Uh, it's a documentary style podcast that focuses on uh, matches and moments in wrestling. And the first episode, it was kind of like it's it, it, the first episode is very much the pilot. It's very much like the concept. It's like, okay, I have an idea. Let me lay it out. 
and I'm going to send it to a couple of people and people liked it. So I decided to, to, to keep it instead of attempting to redo it. I decided to keep it and then evolve in the second episode. I think the second episode is, is good. That'll post next week at CM Punk and John Cena. I think the third episode is where I really figured it out. These are all available on Patreon, by the way. And thank you to everybody. Uh, we have a lot of new Patreon subscribers, man. Thank you. And I, I promise I'm going to reward you. There's going to be some changes to Patreon coming that I'm going to explain in just a minute as well. Uh, but if you um, are a wrestling fan, whether past or present, or you just want to try to check out something different, it's not a monologue podcast like this is. It is something completely out of left field. And I, I, th I think you'll like it. I think. I could be wrong. And you could text me and say, dude, no. Uh, but I'm curious what you think. So uh, go check that out. It's Relive with Damian Barling. It is available everywhere. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcast from. It is available. And you know the drill, particularly on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts, excuse me. It's really important on Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, and I really hope you dig that show. As far as Patreon goes, again, the first three episodes are available on Patreon. I'm going to post the episode uh, the journey to WrestleMania 30 for Daniel Bryan. Uh, I'm going to post that one next week. That's episode number four. I just uh, finished up. I'm working on Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar uh, right now at No Way Out when Eddie Guerrero had his only run as the WWE champion and his impact uh, in the WWE uh, after his death. And so I'm, I'm working on that now. That's going to wind up being on Patreon here in a couple of weeks. But I, I told you I was going to make some changes to the Patreon uh, platform. There are a lot of people coming in and Again, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I know that there was a natural curiosity about that Grant Napier episode, which I completely understand. Uh, but by far, the most subscribed to tier on Patreon is the Be Conscious tier. And my idea with Be Conscious was always, I'm going to, you know, it, I, I've got all these other things going on. We've got, you know, the hoop ball podcast we've got to do. We've got these different things we've got to do. But with the overwhelming popularity of Be Conscious, I've, I'm going to do that more like we're, we're going to turn that into a weekly episode or as close to weekly as we can get. But I promise we're, we're in the vicinity of three to four episodes a month of Be Conscious. So uh, we're really ramping up, man. I did the math. Y'all must really like me, man, because I'm I'm I would be sick of myself here at this point. Um, I think I'm going to be up to if, if 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 I'm able to structure a schedule out. With the five daily podcast here, I'm looking at about nine podcasts per week if you count everything that's over on Patreon as well. Um, and you guys, you are 100% the reason uh, that I've been able to do it. And I am uh, eternally grateful that I have been able to somewhat earn a living doing this. I'm grateful for all the text messages that came in yesterday. Um, I'm grateful for all the text messages that come in every day. I'm grateful for the text messages that tell me, dude, your opinion on dot, dot, dot is wrong. It's cool. A lot of people in sports talk believe like when you, when you say something, well, you've, 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 you've got to be right and you've got to get everybody to agree with you. And I've never subscribed to that theory. I've always believed that you, you've got to say something and you've got to believe what you're saying and you want people to think about it. Now, they may think that you're wrong, and that's like, that's okay. Like, that's what sports is. That's, that's what we do. Like we debate. We, when we're with our crew, when we're at the barbershop, when we're eating dinner, when we're at the bar, that's what we do. We debate. We're just debate. I just can't hear you. 
That's the only difference. Like, I can't hear you in the studio and uh, you can shoot your messages back to me. That's that's what we're doing. We're just having a, a, a conversation. That's how I've always envisioned. That's how we envision the lowdown. That's how we I, I envision the podcast here is I'm just talking to you and you're talking back. And speaking of the lowdown, I had mentioned uh, a guest is going to join us. So <laughs> he, he doesn't know this. Um, what I wanted, I wanted to essentially have the lowdown on that. That was kind of the, the, the idea. Ken had reached out to me, uh, earlier in the week. It was like, man, let's do, a, I, I want to talk. Like, let's do a podcast. I was like, great. Like, hell yeah, let's do it. And I thought, oh, maybe. And, and so Ken, Ken is going to be on the show here, uh, in just a few minutes. And, um, he has a different experience with Grant Napier. And we'll get, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll get to the follow-up on that story from yesterday's podcast. Uh, and there's a lot, there's NBA stuff to talk about. There's important stuff to talk about as well. Not that what's going on with Grant Napier isn't important, but I, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about that yesterday. Obviously Monday's uh, show was a cleansing of my soul, but with the vote coming tomorrow from the NBA, you know, we knew there was going to be a lot of news coming in and, and it's here. Um, but I, I, uh, we're going to talk with Ken here in just a few minutes. And I thought, man, maybe it would be cool to have Chris and Jason just for a few minutes. Uh, I don't know what I was going to talk to him about. I just thought it would be cool to have all, all, th- all, all three of us on the show. And, or all, all, all four of us. I meant all three of them at the same time. And I was going to, I had my phone in my hand and I was getting ready to reach out to Jason. It was about two o'clock and then I got a call. And I wound up being on the call for about 45 minutes. I had even planned to run to KHDK because I've got some stuff for those guys. And it just was like, okay, it's, it's too close to showtime. Like, I can't call Jason now. Like, it, it would be maddening to call him before. It turns out he got a little busy yesterday around 3 o'clock, uh, which leads us here uh, into the first story, a follow-up uh, to yesterday's podcast. Uh, Grant Napier uh, has resigned from his position with the Sacramento Kings, he has been terminated uh, by KHTK's parent company, Bonneville. Uh, this was the only decision, in my opinion, this was the only decision that the Kings would make. I told you this yesterday. Uh, this had evolved from a Sacramento story and potentially a Sacramento Kings situation into an NBA story and potentially an NBA situation. I don't know how far that part went, I don't know if the Kings made a decision. And come on, like, come on. I, I, I can't pretend like Grant Napier willingly resigned his position as it, it it's the it's the nice thing for the Kings to, to do, you know, 30 years uh, into the business. It's nice to frame it as uh, he saw the controversy, he thought it was best to step away. Like that's a great way to frame it. It is a very nice thing to do. But you and I both know that that's not exactly how this went down. It was a you can do this. Or we can do this type of situation. And I don't know, you know, if this was an independent decision from the Kings. And if it was, cool. If it wasn't, like, that's okay. But the point that I'm making is there was going to be pressure on them. And they needed to act in the manner in which they did. They needed to act swiftly. Everyone I talked to, I, th- I think I shared this yesterday. I, I can't really recall. I talked to a lot of people over the course of the last two days. It turns out people were genuinely curious how I felt about this Grant Napier situation. And, and, and I think part of that is because, you know, I only worked at KHDK for a couple of years. Given the fact Jason's been there 30 years, dude, I was there like 
barely, not even four. It was like three and a half years. And I don't have a cuddly relationship with him. And, and I feel like, you know, I laid out the situation for you yesterday on two different podcasts about our history and why I feel the way about him the way I do. I also told you, and I 1000% mean this, I have no ill will towards Grant Napier. I can't carry that hate around anymore. Does it frustrate me that when you search my name that that story about that day at KHDK pops up? Yes. Do I hold Grant Napier responsible for that? Yes. But there are other people responsible for that as well. There are other people higher than Grant Napier that are responsible for that. And I know he was the catalyst behind me, and it still bothers me. But I can't carry hatred around for that man anymore. I can't carry hatred around for anybody. It's too much. It's a burden and it doesn't, like Grant Napier hasn't thought twice about me when I was at KHDK and since I've left KHDK. He's only thought about me when I did something that bothered him or when I did something that, that, that uh, uh, insulted his BFF or if I was too critical of his BFF. Meaning Vlade. So that, that dude doesn't think about me. So why should I carry hate around for him? And so I think my opinion on him yesterday before he resigned was measured and I think it was coming from a from a place of someone who was an outside observer I don't relish in the fact that Grant Napier is unemployed it's it's difficult to find jobs right now you know the the government is is throwing money at people because people can't get jobs I mean there are 40 million plus unemployed people out there I don't I don't celebrate this but it was the right decision I'm not going to celebrate Grant Napier Resigning, I'm not going to celebrate him being fired. I'm not going to dance on his figurative professional grave. Like, I'm not going to do any of that. But it was the right call. He had to go, and it's long overdue. Grant Napier has been terribly, terribly unprofessional. Mostly as a radio show host. And I don't believe his behavior has ever been corrected by the management at KHTK. I know I, I absolutely know his behavior has never been corrected by the management at KHTK. I don't know if the people at the Sacramento Kings have ever had this conversations about him, about the fact that he seems to alienate every star player that has come through this organization or, or the, the biggest of stars, perhaps with Vince Carter being, being the exception. But it, 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 to me, it, it, goes, it's, it goes way beyond. Don't, please don't fool yourself into believing this is about the all lives matter and all caps comment. That was the catalyst. Oftentimes, organizations recognize something. I'm not, even, I'm not suggesting that this is the case with the Kings, and I'm not suggesting this is the case with, the case with KHDK. However, KHDK is in constant cutting mode. They're in constant how can we save money mode well one of the best ways you can save money is get rid of your highest paid talent and so i again please don't misunderstand i'm not saying that khtk was contemplating at any point letting grant napier go but when they were given an out where you can fire with cause there's a reason he didn't resign from his position at khtk Bonneville can now fire him with cause and save a boatload of money. So don't believe that this is just about all lives matter because there's, we'll throw in our office reference here for season number two. There is a pattern 
of disrespect. There is a pattern of behavior here with Grant Napier, whether it is disrespectful behavior to callers. Like, I've never understood that. You're listening to this podcast. You're my audience. You help me. You're doing something that benefits me. How could I ever insult you for that? How could I call you an idiot or a moron? No matter what your views are, even people who have racially charged views, and I realize those that do didn't follow me over here to the podcast, but even if they have racially charged views, they're still listening to you. And it's like, hey, cool. Like, do your thing. You don't, you don't bother me. Like, you're helping me by tuning into this radio station every day. I never understood how you could tell your customer you're an idiot and you're a moron. And I never understood how a radio station would chalk that up as, well, that's just Grant being Grant, especially when the ratings at that station have been so bad. I'm, I'm excited for KHDK. I, I really am. One, because I 1,000% believe if everybody just steps out of the way, and I mean everybody above him, if they step out of the way and let Jason Ross do his damn job, that station is in extraordinary hands. But they've got to let Jason do his job. They've got to let that man be an actual program director. They've got to let him shape the sound of that station the way he wants to. And this is a moment where I, I think could be really exciting. And, and, and people have asked, like, what's the... What's the what's next for you know the Kings and what's next for KHTK as it pertains to replacing Grant Napier? The Kings, they've got a search ahead of them. I, I assume Jim Cozamore is gonna be at the top of the list, at least with guys interviewed. I sure hope Deuce Mason gets an interview. Uh, he's been working for the Stockton Kings. Uh, he is a capable play-by-play guy. When Grant was hired years and years and years and years ago. Uh, and it was a completely different medium then. It was a completely different market. It was available essentially on Channel 31, and that's it. You know, now when you're, a, when you're an NBA broadcaster, you're broadcast all over the world because of League Pass and, and NBA TV and all of those other different things. Man, give Deuce Mason a chance to, to cut his chops. And I'm a huge fan of Jim Cozumore. I love Jim Cozumore. But I also believe, why can't, we, why can't we create something new? Why can't we do something different here? We've had the same sounds on the radio and on television for decades and decades and decades. We've already moved Doug Christie into uh, Jerry Reynolds' spot. Jerry's having fun being a host. Now, if you, Coe's works. I'm not against Coe's. I'd really like to see Deuce get a chance. You know, if you want to, if you, if you, and this is just looking internally, I'm sure there are plenty of very capable uh, play-by-play guys across the country. I think Kings fans love Kings fans love having a connection to someone. It's why it's why Doug is here. It's why Bobby's here. It's 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 why Pajan Vladi here. There's that there's that connection that we have to our former players. You know, it was awesome when when Mitch Richmond was here. Mitch Richmond does TV. Mitch Richmond is not the best television personality. But it's okay. Cuz it's Mitch. We'll take it. So Kings fans, and I understand, like having that connection. So Coe's works, but I'd, I, I would really like to see Deuce get a run. And then if, 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 if Deuce can't get you know, a legitimate opportunity to do this, 
and maybe they, and again, hypothetically, maybe they decide to go with Coles. Let's let's put Deuce in the role of the host of of pre and post game, and he can be up there with Jerry Reynolds. Let's start. Let's start. You have this farm system in Stockton where you're where you're grooming talent, and I'm not intentionally leaving Morgan out. Morgan out. I just don't. I don't know that you're going to do a three man booth, you know, right out the gate with Deuce Mo and Doug. You know, Morgan's going to have a place, and I can. I can think of some great spots for her, but those jobs aren't available, so I'll just leave that there for right now. But I think that the Kings broadcast team and KHTK have a, a, a chance to do something really exciting right now. Deuce and Doug in the afternoon? Are you kidding me? That's, that's, that's freaking fantastic. It's perfect. Or maybe they're just going to make Jason work every damn shift in the day. But Deuce and Doug in the afternoon, I think, is perfect. It, it Deuce slides right into that role of, of 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 what Grant did and, and and I think it absolutely works. I think it absolutely works. I know that I know that uh Deuce has only been doing the play by play stuff for the Stockton Kings for a couple of years, but man, let him learn. Shoot, just throw him in the deep end. Shoot, drive to the middle of the ocean and throw him out there like, hey brother, get to shore. Get to shore, fam, because if you don't, we're gonna find someone who can. And I think Deuce is, I, 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 working with Deuce was such a, I, I worked with Deuce when I came back to KHTK, I, I was doing fill-in stuff, he was still doing the morning show with Dave, and I did about a week with Deuce and Mo, and man, I can't stretch this enough, because it wasn't, it wasn't my show, I was, I was in the, you know, I was in the third chair in this case, and it was, it was my job to come in and follow their lead, and I can't, exp- I, I, I don't, I don't know, I, I hope I can explain this clearly, when you have a host, the caliber of Deuce Mason, who prepares the way that he does, when you're sitting in that second chair, it's a, it's a cakewalk because they're, they're leading you through what you're doing. They're like a pace setter in a race. You're, you're just following right behind them, and it's, it's essentially a day off. It's like, hey, I just get to come in. I get to talk about sports on a microphone, and they're going to pay me for this. The work lies in preparing for the show. And Deuce does so much preparing when he sends out those notes the night before. And I say, okay, we're going here. We're going here. Oh, okay, this is great. And I walk in the next morning at 6 a.m. And I know exactly what we're doing. Man, it's easy. And so the amount of preparation that I know Deuce would put into being a play-by-play announcer. And obviously the amount of, uh, amount of work that he puts into and the amount of preparation that he's always put into his radio shows and, and his podcast is, is perfect. I mean, he, he, he'd be absolutely perfect. And I think somewhere, one way or another, there is a place for Deuce, and, and, I, and I believe Morgan as well, there's a, a way for them to ascend up the Sacramento Kings chart. They're already in the organization. Uh, they've already done great work for the organization, both uh, digitally and on camera. And I think those two have an incredible future ahead of them uh, with the Sacramento Kings. And I think the Kings have an opportunity to create a new dynamic presentation to go along with this new uh, uh, dynamic team uh, that they want to present out to the masses as well. So I've talked more about Grant Napier in the last two days than I ever imagined that I would. And I, I, don't, I don't know what else is left to say. 916-888-5898. If I left something out, uh, please feel free to reach out. Uh, the Patreon podcast goes into uh, in-depth detail about our past relationship. But I, I thought yesterday's you know podcast on the main feed 
I, I wanted to make sure everybody understood the background. And I wanted to make sure, I, I, I wanted, because most people believe that I, I, I strongly dislike him, and I did, and I never hid that. But I also wanted you to know that I reconciled those feelings because I, never, I don't want people to think I'm covering stuff in a certain way out of anger or vengeance. I'm not. I can say with a completely clear heart that Grant's resignation and his termination from the radio show, they were long overdue. And it needed to be done. And it was the only option, in my opinion, that the Sacramento Kings had. So we'll move along from there. And if I missed anything, I'm, I'm happy to address it. 916-888-5898. Uh, as I mentioned, Ken's going to join us. Ken has a different perspective on Grant Napier. He had a different relationship uh, with Grant Napier. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. I guess I should point this out as well. I mentioned that Be Conscious is, is going to change a little bit on the, on the Patreon pop, uh, platform, and we're going to do more of it. Ken and I had a great, great conversation yesterday. It went on for almost 90 minutes. Obviously, I'm not going to air the 90-minute the, the conversation with you. I took the uh, essentially the Grant Napier stuff and the KHTK stuff, and I condensed it, and that's what you're going to hear today. It's, it's, it's still a lengthy conversation, but he made a lot of points, and he expressed a lot of feelings that I wanted to make sure stayed in and stayed a part of that podcast. I really would love for you to hear, especially if you're a Be Conscious supporter, the entire podcast, the entire conversation, I should say. So I'm going to post that on the Be Conscious stream uh, this afternoon. An entire, I think it's about 65-minute conversation where Ken, when we shift away from KHDK, and we, and a lot of, a lot of KHDK is, is not just Grant Napier, but it's our, it's our feelings on the lowdown and how we think that ties into Grant Napier and how it ties into Grant Napier being allowed to say certain things while it felt like we weren't allowed to say certain things. I hope that makes sense. Um, I shifted the conversation there because, you know, Ken has a son. And I've been talking to a lot of dads lately. I've been talking to a lot of black fathers lately about having, and his son is only nine. So it's, it's not like he's going to sit him down and, all right, son, I want you to understand something. But there's a point where you have to start having those conversations. Man, Ken hit me with a story that I did not know. He hit me with a story about how when he moved back to L.A. after uh, he wrapped up his stint with Good Day Sacramento that he essentially got Karen'd at a park. And man, you've got to hear this story. You've absolutely got to hear this story. So that's going to be available on the Be Conscious stream probably by the time you're listening to this. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, check that out uh, later on in the day. And hang tight. Ken Rudolph is going to join us here uh, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, the NBA seems to be preparing for a 22-team format uh, for the season's resumption on July 31st in Orlando, Florida. A timeline has been shared uh, with a variety of NBA reporters that has a possible finals end date. So we talked about this, right? We talked about how the proposal, uh, how the we could very well know, know not just the day the season resumes, but we're going to know the day the season ends. And now we can start to piece together, in case it's not a part of the plan, we can start piecing together, okay, when's the draft lottery going to be? When's the actual lottery going to be? And when is the 2020-2021 season going to begin. Well, we can start to do that now. 
because according to multiple reports, this proposal that's going to go out from Adam Silver tomorrow, it includes an NBA Finals Game 7 on October 12th. So a possible resumption of the season on July 31st. And that's just an actual, those are games of some sort. Those are games. Basketball is going to resume before then because we're going to start talking about players reporting. We're going to start talking about mini training camps and all of these different things. And we're going to have actual basketball games on July 31st, which (laughs) it's June 3rd, man. That feels like it is forever away. And then we've got a finals date, October 12th. So now we can start to, I think the timeline that we talked about with the potential resumption of the season, potential Christmas day now being opening day on December 25th, that could very well happen. Adam Silver is going to, pro, uh, uh, Adam Silver is going to uh, extend this proposal to the NBA's board of governors uh, tomorrow. Uh, the NBA and the NBA Players Association, they're still discussing the details on the format. Um, there are still things that they're going to maneuver around, but there's an expectation among owners, uh, that this is, this is going to be the plan that what Adam Silver is going to present on Thursday is going to be the plan. And the NBA has been pushing through what would include a regular season, a play in, and then playoff games for 16 teams, the 16 teams currently holding playoff positions and Six more teams uh, that are within six games of the eighth seed in the in the Eastern and Western Conference. So that obviously includes the four Western Conference teams that we have talked about so much. Uh, New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, and Phoenix. Uh, I guess that adds Phoenix, which I, I didn't even realize. And it only includes Washington uh, on the Eastern Conference side of things. I think there's a lot of good in this in that no one, I, I don't think anyone can feel like they're cheated out of a, a late season run. Uh, I, I also think it's good because teams like Golden State don't have to take part in it. And I think that's a, a positive. I think it's good that teams like the New York Knicks don't have to take part in it because no one wants to see the Knicks anyways. And no one wants to hear any more about James Dolan and him, his absolutely nonsensical behavior. Uh, and no one, you know, besides my best friend from Cleveland, Wants to see the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, well, I'm, I'm curious the details. You know, you, you talk about a regular season, like, okay. And then a play-in, it's like, oh, okay. How's this? I feel like they're going to do conference realignment, man. And that just feels so unnecessary. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to work out. Maybe that's where these play, this play-in thing comes into play uh, with, with the, the Pelicans, the Blazers, Spurs Kings. Suns, Wizards, it just, it feels like with, you know, a 22-team format, five of the teams being from the Western Conference, that somehow they're going to throw conference realignment in there or, or you know, one through 16 realignment, and I just don't understand that. But I'm jumping to conclusions. I could absolutely be wrong. Another thing uh, that's going to be coming out is several of the franchises uh, who are considered to be title favorites, you know, the, 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 the Bucks, uh, the Lakers, the Clippers, there is discussion as to, you know, like, what do they get out of this? And I joked and said, if you're the Bucks or the Lakers, do you get the best hotel? Do you get the Disney hotel where, like, the like where, where Mickey and Minnie serve you breakfast? Like, is that what you get if you're a top seed? Because you don't get home court advantage. And I, I don't know if it's a part of the proposal 
or an aspect that they want to try to tackle later, you know, as, as things get worked out between tomorrow and July 31st. But they're trying to come up with a proposed plan that would, well, it would give the top seeds something for being a top seed. Because you work for 65 games to have home court advantage. And you can't. You can't have home court advantage. Everybody's going to be playing on the same floor, and everybody's going to be playing in an empty arena. You know, the only advantage is to play if you were, you know, if you were actually in Milwaukee or you were actually in Los Angeles or any of these other teams, is that, you know, I guess one group would be staying at uh, one group would be staying at a hotel, the other group would be staying at home. But I I wonder, even if you were like at the arena, wouldn't the potential home team stay in a hotel just to quarantine themselves and reduce risk of something happening to them? Like there's nothing there, there's nothing that works in this scenario. So I, I don't know, you know, it, it doesn't outline, you know, some of the articles I read yesterday, they don't really outline what a potential proposal would be uh, for, I guess, incentives would be the term for, for teams like, like the Bucks and the, and the Lakers and the Clippers and, and, the, and the teams that finished at the top of the, their conferences or, I guess, are finishing at the top of their conferences. I don't know. I mean, do you bring in different floors for, I don't know how many arenas they have in the Walt Disney area. I think it's funny that there's a there's a, a high probability that basketball is going to be played in what where WCW Saturday Night used to be filmed, and I think I, I think a TNA may, may the, the the wrestling company TNA may have had it as, as the impact zone for a while. They they might still have it now. I haven't followed that company in a long time. But that sound stage, I think it's called. Uh, uh, the center sound stage or something like that. I think there's going to be basketball played there. How many arenas do they have? And do you bring in multiple courts? Do you maybe do you bring in courts for the finals? So like for just let's just for argument's sake, we'll say it's the Bucks versus the Lakers. You have four times you play on the Milwaukee Bucks court and three times that you play on the Lakers court. Can you hang up like replica banners if you're the Celtics and you've got home court advantage? Can we bring in the old school, you know, purple court if you're the Kings? Kings are going to be playing in the finals. Oh, yeah. Playing format, man. All rules are out the... Dude. Are Bagley... Is Bagley's dad beefing with De'Aaron? Like, I, there's too much real life stuff going on for me to keep track of all of this stuff. I came across... What is this? Can someone fill me in like, what did I miss? I feel like I'm joining this conversation really late. There is some sort of beef out there with De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley's dad, and I need to hear about it. Like, I need somebody to fill me in. Social media, text line, email. What did I miss with this? Because I saw the screen cap, and I I saw uh, the folks at the Kings Herald like, like commenting about like they posted the picture and I was like, wait a minute, like is that hold up, man, what the hell is happening here? And I'm and I'm late on that story and I realize it's probably on the King's Herald and I just haven't caught up with it yet. And that's 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 my bad. It's been a uh insanely busy couple of days, man. And um I launched uh launched like it's hasn't been out there forever. I did a Sacramento Kings podcast yesterday as well. So that's available. Uh, on the Hoopball Podcast Network. I, I, you know, really, there is a way for you to listen to me all freaking day if you wanted to. Just just, just uh, Damian Barling Radio, man. Uh, I've got you covered. And 
uh, I'm so happy that I was able to talk to my to my guy Kenneth Aloysius Rudolph. Uh, he you know he has a completely different uh, perspective uh, on Grant Napier. So uh, I want to get to that now. Bring in uh, one Kenneth Aloysius Rudolph. Hey, what's up, player? How you doing, brother? <laughs> Appreciate you joining me, man. It's, I've been doing this podcast for a year, and there's 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 not a better person uh, that I'd rather have on this week than you. Um, Happy anniversary, then. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. The last time I celebrated an anniversary, I was fired about a month later. So good news is, <laughs> the good news is, you I, can can't, about it now. I can't get fired from this job. So that's uh, true. That's, that's, that's the beauty still. of it. Um, let's start with Grant. Um, you and I okay. have, you and I have different experiences with Grant Napier. Uh, very different experiences. You, yours, yours started out a little bit different. You interned for him. Uh, you know, I think you guys did some things at, at, at Good Day Sacramento. So, you know, you've you've kind of watched this. You're you're in L.A. now, by the way, to set the kind of set the scene for everybody. You're doing some work in L.A., and I want to make sure we touch on that at the end. But I'm going to give you the 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 uh, the post game question. That's not a question, Kenneth. <laughs> yeah, talk about Grant Napier. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Grant is is really weird for me, and I I kind of explained it to you when we first started working together. He is my he's my entry into television. Um, I still remember sitting on my couch watching a Kings game and I was trying to decide what I wanted to do in college. And it hit me right then. I saw a guy that was in my class at Sac State walking behind the scorer's table. And I was like, what's that guy doing at the game? I went to class the next day. I was like, Hey man, what were you doing at the game? He's like, Oh, I interned for Grant Napier. And I was like, Oh, that's how you get to the Kings games. Mm. That's how you get to be on the air. So then I made it my whole focus was like, I'm going to be that guy's intern because I want to work with the Kings. And so I went there. I remember I missed his deadline. I went to go talk to him. He's like, I already have an intern. He's like, go see the news department, see if they'll hire you. So I went to the news department and they did. They hired me as the intern. And I spent that first year learning in news. And then I still remember the day that um, his intern messed up his highlights and he called back to the newsroom and I answered the phone. And Grant's like, who's this? I'm like, this is Ken, the intern. He's like, hey, buddy, can you edit this highlight really quickly for me and get it up? And I was like, yeah. So I edited the highlight, got it to him. And from that moment on, I was kind of his guy. And then he asked me maybe a month later, I didn't ask him. He's like, hey, do you want to be my intern next year? And I was like, hell yeah. And so from that point on, he was super cool, uh, taught me the ropes. Um, I got all my experience because he didn't have time to go to practice. So I would go to the practices and get all the sound for him. And then bring it back and edit it for him. And then we put it on the air. He gave me my first two jobs. He got a job offer from Toronto Sports Network. And they wanted a package on the Sacramento Gold Miners, which is a football team in the Sacramento Surge that we had in the area. Mm-hmm. On the quarterback, David Archer. And Grant's like, it's $150. I don't have time for this. But you do the package and you get the money. And so I did the package. I'm not even – I'm still an intern. And I sent it up to Toronto Sports Network, and they sent me a check for $150. And I was like, all right. And then when I graduated, he's the guy that called my house. I still remember that conversation, man. It's like, hey, buddy, did you walk? And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what do you mean did I walk? Did you graduate? Did you walk? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. He's like, good, then you're official. Do you want to come in and be my my fill-in on Thursday? I'm like, on the air? He's like, yeah, do the sports on the air. And I was like, did Brent Bader, the news director, say this is okay? He's like, Brent's the one that told me to call you. And I'm like, okay. And we traveled together, went to Seattle for playoffs and everything. And, and he was just always supportive. So 
you know, that's 20 years of that dude really helping me and get started. So when I got back to Sacramento, one of the first guys to reach out, Grant Napier, hey, buddy, welcome back home. Um, so it was really weird, man, when I got to the radio station and I started listening a bit more. Mm-hmm. And then when we started our show, obviously we were just diametrically opposed to everything he was talking about. Yeah. And it got his attention. And the weird thing was he never changed the way he was with me. And you saw it. Mm-hmm. So when everything started and, and for whatever reason, he decided that you were the bad guy. Mm-hmm. He decided that he was going to start to undermine our show and especially you behind the scenes. And you told me about something one day and I was like, nah. And he would always come in. Hey, buddy. And say hi to me. And I was like, hey, what's up, man? And we, we used to kind of shoot the, shoot the shit a little bit with him and try to be nice. And then when stuff happened with you two, and you told me about him walking in, being on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and so, not talking to anybody. I don't I don't and want I you like, to feel no. like you have to be like I've I told this I, I told this story in its entirety for the first time yesterday. I had never okay. I had never like Jason and I had discussed this on the air one day, but I had never flat out said it was Grant who uh, was responsible that. for what went on that day after DeMarcus yeah. was traded. Like I had never said that before yesterday. And, yeah. or, you know, there are a lot of people who hold accountability for that, but Grant Napier was the one who instigated it. And that's when the phone bit started where he yep. started to pretend like he was on the phone. And that's essentially, that's when our relationship shut down. And that's, you know, and we had, had a very you know minor relationship at that point anyways. But a point that I was trying to make yesterday is our show wasn't even a year old when that whole uh, we're walking out on the show. I'm taking off the air yeah. for the day. Our show wasn't even a year old. We were still very on, you know, we were yeah. still on very, very new ground at that point. Yep. Exactly. Um, and you know, I, I remember that I wasn't even on the air that day. By you me. weren't. Nope. You sure weren't because we went was, on early and you were still, yeah. you couldn't get to this. You, you just, you were doing TV. You couldn't get there that early. Yeah. I still remember. I think I was, cause I had, if you recall, you know, they had offered me the job in like December but it took those numb nuts four months to get the contract squared away because they're useless. So I didn't show up till like late March, April. Right. And um, which is super frustrating and really just underscores just how inept their management is. But I, so when I got there, I'm already upset with them. So then I remember I couldn't be on the air with you guys and I was mad because I had to stay on CBS. And then this happens. Mm-hmm. And so you gave me a bit of a heads up. And then I was like, wait a minute, what? And I think the thing that really set it off for me, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is the moment that kind of crystallized everything for me. When I walked in, you would give me a heads up. And then I walked in and our boss took us in the other room and looked me in the eye and said, you know, Damien's not going to be on the show today. And I'm like, why'd you suspend him? He's like, he's not suspended. We just sent him home. And I'm like, okay, for what? And then they said, because he said something that, you know, we didn't think you should say. And I was like, And I still remember this. I said, so let me get this straight. I said, instead of taking us in this room like grown men and talking to us and saying, hey, we'd like it if you did not say that on the air, you have decided to completely skip that part and go straight to the boy, get in your place. Like you went straight to that. That was their first option. Hey, boy, stay in your place. Not, hey, guys, we know what you're trying to do and we appreciate you guys being provocative, but we would rather you not say certain things like that about this person. And then we'll be like, okay, we can handle that. So, you know, I, I didn't really understand. And you told me, you're like, dude, that dude is not on our side. And because he had helped me personally, 
I was like, nah, he's cool. And that's the thing. That's the trap that we fall into. That's why it's so, so hard to be black because the whole time I was giving him credit for giving me a job. But at the end of the day, the one thing he said to me on the phone, the news director told him to call me. Mm-hmm. Not he told the news director, hey, this guy needs to be on the air. Yeah. The news director said, you go call that intern and you get him to come fill in. Because after I filled in, the news director made me a news reporter. He was like, I want you to be a news reporter. I want you to be our guy. Okay. So, you know, the longer I think about it, I'm like, okay, maybe he wasn't looking out for me. I don't know. Right. How did you feel when you saw the the interaction with him and DeMarcus Cousins the other night? Wow. Uh, what is the word that I would use? Well, first, it was hilarious to me. And I mean, it was absolutely hilarious. And And then I was like, I was happy. Because on the one hand, I never, and I don't care who it is, I don't want to see anybody lose a job. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's a career you've cultivated for 30 years, um, I do want to say I really, 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 I really think that man is one of the best play-by-play guys in the NBA. But it's the other stuff that makes it too difficult to accept uh, his position. Uh, any longer. And so I was just like, you know what? This is what you get, dude. That was my whole thing. I was like, man, you can't go on the radio and say those things that you've been saying and not have some repercussions. And, and for me, especially because we both know that we both left that station because the people did not like what we were saying on the air. Like me specifically, they did not like me, what I was saying on the air. So get this straight. We said things that offended white people and we got removed after a year. This dude said stuff that offended black people for 30 years and it took them this long to get to him. Do you think he's racist? That's a question that's been it's 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 kind of the question circulating around, you know, like, you know, the the king's universe right now is they're trying to make sense of his remarks. And I'm talking about rational people. I'm not talking about the, well, wait a minute. All lives do matter, people. I'm, right, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. talking about the people who understand the connotation behind that phrase. Yes. And it, it, people are trying to figure out ways to, to, to properly answer that. Because I don't, I'll, I'll tell you what I think. And then, you know, you, 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 you follow here. I don't, I don't think, okay. I, I, I think Matt Barnes or actually, I'm sorry. I think it was Chris Weber who called him a closet racist. Yes. And, and to that, that, that leads me to believe that, you know, uh, w- when he's behind closed doors and he's with his buddies in El Dorado Hills, he's throwing around the N word and he's, you know, he's got a sheet in the, uh, in, in the closet that he wears on the weekends. Like, I, I think that's the connotation behind the closet races. And I don't think that's what Grant Napier is. I think Grant is unaware and ignorant to his own racism. I think he is, he might even be unaware that his opinion on, on people is influenced by the color of their skin. And I absolutely 1000% believe Grant Napier is racist. I also believe he is completely unaware of it. Hmm. So I think about the, the, the answer to that question kind of takes me back to the Donald Sterling situation and, and the way that Grant defended him. Mm-hmm. And the one thing Grant says, well, he can't be racist. He hired black people. Yeah. Right. And so for me, the first time I heard that, I was like, Wow. That's part of the reason why I supported Grant. I was like, he can't be racist. He hired me. (laughs) 
He wow. gave me my first job where I got $150. He can't be racist. Yeah. But then you look at everything, and I don't know. Like, I'm not quite as quick to use that word on anybody because I understand that. And we've talked about this on the radio. I've even said a couple of times, I feel bad for white people because every day they've got to defend whether they're racist or not. And once we say you are racist, you're done. So I understand the anxiety that comes with that. I don't I really don't know. I think there's something there, though, because you can't. You can't cover these athletes for 30 years. Everybody next to you is a black athlete. Everybody around you is a black, ath- black athlete, and you have no idea how to communicate with them or speak with any sense of community or compassion when we're talking about issues that are important to all of these black players that you have made a million dollars or more off of the past 30 years. You don't have your house in El Dorado Hills without these black basketball players. So I don't understand his disconnect. That's the thing that bothers me. Racism isn't like a blanket trait. Like it's not a one size fits all type of thing. There are different layers to racism. And I think Grant is that layer of racism that doesn't get talked about a lot. I think Grant is actually the most common form of racism. I I, I think the way that Grant feels is the most common form of racism because you, you look at the you know, you just, you can start, you start pointing at so many things. Like one, it's like, it's like when you, when someone puts on the internet, one of those pictures and it says, you know, hit the like button when you, when you see the dog, you know, and it's just a picture of a bunch of dots and then, but, but you can't see it. Like it's, you just can't see it. And then all of a sudden it's there and it's all you can see. Well, Uh you have this exchange with the Marcus and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, I, you know, I, I look at Twitter and I see people reminding me that, uh, he once defended a, a an Indianapolis Colts broadcaster for using the N-word, saying, well, black people should use it. Why couldn't white people use it? I remember that right. was a lengthy discussion between him and Doug Christie. Yeah. And I also, and then you start, you know, you start peeling apart layers. You read tweets that say, I have more black friends than white friends. People oh, yeah. who aren't racist don't point that stuff out. Exactly. That's you know what I mean? Point. So it's like, yeah. it, again, we're talking different layers. I think Grant is actually the most common layer. I think there are a lot more people like Grant and they just don't recognize it. The good thing with Grant, and I don't mean this for his professional future. I mean this for his personal future. I believe people like Grant can learn and they can recognize. And I believe that they can change. I believe he's been unwilling to change all of these years. And I believe it could take something as drastic as him losing his entire career to change. But people like him they're not the Klansmen. They're not the Burning Cross. They're not the N-word users. These type of people are capable of change if they're willing to learn. I agree with a lot of that. I actually, the one thing I don't agree with is rehabilitating racists. I don't think it's ever worked. Okay. Um, I think everybody does whatever they have to do to survive. And I think that your core beliefs are there, and that's a wrap. And if you're in your 50s, yeah. Creeping up on 60 and you're still saying stuff like this. This is who you are. So with him, it's a track record that I didn't realize until we got there. And the first time I heard stuff, I was like, was Kaepernick. Yeah. And he dug his heels. Yeah. He dug his heels in on that. And I remember driving home one day because we always were the show before him. And I'm driving home and, our, you know, in the car that it's on our station because that's where we work. And I'm listening to him as I'm driving home. And I think I remember texting you. I was like, what is this dude doing right now? Mm-hmm. And he continued to do it every day. He just would double down harder 
on Kaepernick. And I was like, come on. And then everything that came up, he just continued. Stefan Clark protests. He just continued to and, double down and dig his heels in. And for context purposes, let's remind people, a lot of this stuff was before Doug got there. And Correct. So after Doug got there, Doug had a really difficult time, I think by his own admission, he had a really difficult time of trying to figure out how to establish a voice in a show that has already been so established with a singular voice for so long. Yes. And if memory serves me correctly, uh, Doug had started around the time of the Stefan Clark stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe a bit before, but you know, yeah. he, he, that was like a major issue that he had to start dealing with in addition to, you know, athlete protests and things like that. And that's where, you know, uh, uh, Doug was really able to find his, his footing. So a lot of the stuff that you just referenced happened when Grant came in and sat in a chair and had four hours to himself. Yes. It was just him and his callers. Yeah. 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 And, and then after that, I think, you know, black lives matter. He dug his heels in on that. Um, anything regarding DeMarcus, he would dig his heels in. And now don't get me twisted. DeMarcus is a polarizing figure and I don't think you have to be a racist to not like DeMarcus. Sure. Right. Like I don't like DeMarcus. Um, I understand him and I've grown to have more respect for him, but I do not like him. Like, I don't want to hang out with him ever. Um, but, you know, it's like when DeMarcus said the things that he said and people came back, well, well, DeMarcus is not a very reputable individual and he's a bitter ex player. And that to me underscores racism because I'm like, just because you don't like that guy, you are not going to listen to his concerns. That doesn't make any sense to me. Let's put this cage to case stuff away. Um, yes. For a minute. Cause there's a, or, or forever. I, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Do I, I wanna... I'm allowed to swear, right? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Okay. So I'll put it to bed here. Fuck them. There you go. <laughs> now we're done. Go back to those remarks we made a few minutes ago. I'm proud of what we established, man. I know that what we were doing was, was well received. Uh, and I'll always look back despite the fact you would yell at me regularly <laughs> You were screaming at me. Usually it would take me about it. It's, you, you ever hear the phrase, uh, you know, someone will use the phrase, I was hit twice before I even knew I was in a fight. No, yes. that, that, was yes. pre, that would pretty much exemplify our relationship. I was hit twice before I even knew I was in a fight. But to clarify for a lot of people, when I was like expressing it, it 95% of the time it had nothing to do with you. Oh, no. No, 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 definitely <laughs> not. That. Okay. It had to do with my thoughts or feelings or, you know, my, my support of agents or Rich Paul or whatever the, whatever, that, that know, was the only time I was mad. Whatever the, the conversation. Was the only time I was mad. That was the only time I was legitimately mad. I was talking to my wife about that. You were, I was like, the only time I was bro. actually mad at Damien was when we were talking about the agent thing. You were, some, you were sweating. Else, like I was so mad. You, I looked at you. <laughs> you're pointing at me. You've got sweat tripping <laughs> off of your forehead. And I'm like, I'm I'm in in my head I'm like this this is one this is great radio two I have no idea what's going to happen when we go to commercial but he looks legitimately <laughs> angry so we, that was that but, was uh that's all that, that, you, my most memorable experience left. by far and I remember cuz I was like when you left and you kicked the door open and you slammed it and went out into the hallway and I think I went outside and I yelled down the hallway <laughs> I went outside to kind of cool myself off I went to the parking lot and then I was, I was like, man, I hope that dude don't think I'm mad, mad at him. I'm just like, I was just super frustrated. I'm like, I'm not mad, mad. And I think I called you when I got home. When we got oh, home, we, like, we gave it some time, and then we talked on the phone when I got home. But um, I was just only frustrated because that, that what you had said that day, 
bothered me because I feel like what that situation with Rich Paul and LeBron, he had helped his boys out. And I was like, okay, once your you once your boy gives you a and a huge assist like that, I feel like you owe it to him to go through the proper channels to solidify that so they can't come take it away. And so there was something about him not going immediately to get his his credential and, and be certified as an agent. Right. And that frustrated me because I feel like that was like a microcosm of things that hold us back within the black community. We cut corners. This was, gosh, this had to be one, two and a half years ago, maybe. Oh, even more than that. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably a little bit longer than it. Has your yeah. tone changed at all on Rich Paul and who he is? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Because I really still don't understand exactly what he's doing. Really? That's the, I really, and I, and, but I am more open to hearing exactly what his, his goal is and what he's trying to do. Okay. I'll take that then. I'll take, I'll, t- I'll take that as a small victory. I'm huge... I don't have a problem with him, but I just not, I wasn't quite sure what it is that he's trying to do. Well, he's as far a, as longevity, as he's far establishing as like, himself as a, as a power broker. He's a, he's a power broker in the NBA. So and I think you're, and I, okay. and I think the crux of our issue that day was you believed he was LeBron's boy and he owed it all to LeBron and he shouldn't, I, I wasn't sure if you were yeah. saying he shouldn't be taken seriously or that was part of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I just, I, and I, I disagreed with you then. And, and I think he had other clients and I was upset that he wasn't doing anything for the players that need help. And I think he had Ben Ben Mclemore he was did. the guy that I used the example. I'm like, that guy needs your help. He, Anthony yeah. Davis and LeBron don't need your help. Yeah. Go sit down with those. Those guys can do and say whatever they want, and you're just standing in the way. Go use the power that LeBron gave you to help Ben Mclemore or other other lower level players that you were representing. And so that's what bothered me. In the same way that, like Diddy, Diddy came through, gave all these artists, you know, a, a great shot. Then I find out after the fact that his first artist, Mace, he's not paying that dude what he yeah. owes him. So then I'm like, everything you've done is now null and void. Because as a black person, you've got to know, brother, you have got to know that the reason why we all support you and put you in that spot is because we felt like you weren't going to do what the white man did to all of our artists. And that's how you sold it to us. You Don kinged us. You sold it to us like you were here for black America. And then when your boy needs help and we find out what's really happening behind the scenes, you're ripping him off just like every other executive. Then you want to turn around and post a picture on Instagram about your opulence with you and DJ Khaled and Jay-Z. But you don't help anybody. So that whole thing for me was like a whole cycle where I feel like they're all kind of doing the same thing. Okay. Well, you're coming around on Chris Paul, maybe in three more years, or uh, not Chris Paul, Rich Paul. <laughs> Rich uh, Paul. If he does something to help lower level players, if I hear him do something. Well, I know, think he already we... has. Like, think, like I, I don't know how much you've been following the, you know, when you, the, the contracts that were laid out. Uh, yeah. You know, the way that uh, players ha- are, are working out prorated contracts and, you know, the, the, the percentage of pay cuts that may be coming. Rich Paul had negotiated thing with with his players because there are multiple ways that you can get paid as an NBA player. You can get paid quarterly, you can get paid in lump, lump sums, or you yeah. can get paid extremely uh, high dollar checks like like a regular employee where you get you get a, a paycheck and a pay stub every two weeks. Right. Rich yeah. Paul had negotiated 
for most of his players to get virtually all of their money up front. Now that the the, the the you know the disadvantage to that is you know it you you pay taxes a little differently it requires a little bit more organization but given the fact that those guys have already been t- paid through this pandemic it's like yeah almost the entire league has to take a pay cut except for Rich Paul's clients that's an extraordinary that's note yeah absolutely that is I did not know that okay say you like Rich Paul so we can go. Nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Give me some more time. I'll, right. You know what? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do more of a deep dive and do a bit more research and find out exactly what's happening. Love you, brother. Hey, much love to you, man. I really appreciate everything. My man, Ken Rudolph, always good, always good to connect with him. Again, if you want to hear this entire conversation, and I really encourage you to, if you're a, a fan of Be Conscious or you're a subscriber to Be Conscious, head over to patreon.com slash Damien Barling, or you can go to DamienBarling.com and click the Patreon button in the upper left-hand corner. That story he told me about essentially being Karen at a park in Los Angeles, it's something. And we, 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 there's a lot more to the conversation about KHTK. There's a lot more to the conversation about Grant Napier that's on that episode of Be Conscious. But the stuff that follows that conversation on KHTK, the stuff that, that talks about that talks about race, that talks about raising a, a young black male, the, the, the difficulties that, that his son is already going to have, you know, being from a biracial family. You know, that's, the, 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 those are things I, I, I discuss with Kenny. You know, Ken always has a, you know, he always has a unique perspective and he always has a, a strong perspective. So if you enjoy those type of conversations and you're not yet a subscriber, uh, go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling. And yes, here in season number two of the podcast, I am going to pimp the hell out of my Patreon account. It is really what helps me uh, allow this podcast to kind of be my living. Uh, so I'm absolutely uh, going to pimp the hell out of it. And I want to make some changes here to the podcast as well. Uh, nothing dramatic. I know this podcast is going to change at some point. I don't know when. I have contemplated ending this show so many times because I really wasn't sure that people, people were listening. I've always known people were listening, but I was like, what is, what is my end game with this? And I told you when I started the podcast a long time ago, a year ago, 365 days ago, that my feeling was I'm going to do a podcast, I'm going to keep my skills sharp, and I'm going to be ready to return to radio. Dude, I've been... I wasn't offered a radio job. I had discussions about one radio job, man, and it was in Texas. And and I just before you know before the conversation got too deep, it was a that was just something I wasn't interested in. And the Bay Area, you know, hasn't called. I've had extensive conversations with the people who run ESPN 1320. Uh, that's not it's it's just not in the cards right now uh, for ESPN and. I don't like my time at KHTK is, is, is over. I, you know, they've, they've got, they've got other things that they've got to work out. You know, a lot of people super kind on social media. Uh, I would, I would love nothing more than do, than, than, than to do a, a show with Doug Christie. And while you never say never, I don't, I don't think that's in the cards for anybody. I don't think that's something KHTK wants. Uh, and I, I don't even know it's something I want. Although I don't know a chance to work with Doug. That's, that's, that's a different ball game, but I believe they have to go the route. I think, Sacramento Kings are going to have some say 
into how this is done uh, in case their play-by-play guy wants to do radio. That sauce got to be available for him. I think KHTK is ultimately going to have to make a, a temporary decision. And then, you know, they'll, they'll ultimately make a long-term uh, decision. Uh, and I, I, I don't believe I'm a, I'm a part of that conversation. I, I appreciate everyone who uh, hit me up and thought, hey, man, it's, it's, let's, let's do it. I, I'm not confident that that's, that's a thing. So I just kept grinding away at this podcast. Like, well, now wait, what, what am I doing it for now? And I was kind of, it's just like my toes were in the water. And the Patreon account is what made me jump in like head first. Because it's like, you guys have supported so much of the content that I put out. I don't know what made me start that damn wrestling podcast. Because that is a time consumer. But it's super creatively satisfying. Because it's not monologuing. It's not, uh, it's, it's not sharing opinions, really. It's, it's heavily scripted. It is heavily produced. And it's just, it, it, it scratches a creative itch is basically what that show does. And I thought, well, you guys were supportive through the move. You were supportive through the launch. You've been supportive through, you know, at the time it was 300-something odd days. So let's just, let's just launch a subscription service to where I can make a living off of my content. It was hard putting Be Conscious on the, on, the, on the Patreon page because it's, it really, it was my first foray, if you will, into podcasting, and it's the most popular podcast I've ever done. And it's hard to tell people like, eh, it's not really on iTunes, dog. Like, you've got to, you got to come out the pocket for this one. And people are, and I, and I understand, like, it's difficult when you're so used to getting something for free, moving it to a pay service, it, it's, it's scary because I want y'all to still love it. I want people to hear it, but I also know that I, I, I feel like my, you have made me feel like my content is valuable. So you guys have made me jump headfirst into this, this thing with podcasting. And I don't, again, I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know when the show is going to change, but I know it's not ending anytime soon. And I know with the return of sports imminent, I want to, I want to go back to what the show was originally was. I want to go back to incorporating more music. I want to go back to incorporating, you know, more sound. I don't want you to have to wonder what someone said, you know, the night before. I don't want you to have to, you know, search out, you know, the latest viral speech that was uh, uh, done online. You're going to be able to get everything that you want here uh, on this podcast, uh, including Fick Vangio's remarks where he said George Floyd's death is a societal issue that we all have to join in to correct. Vic, I, I, don't, I don't see anything wrong with that statement. Vic Fangio goes on to add, he doesn't see discrimination or racism as problems overall in the NFL. Been a while since we hit this music, fam. Vic is the oldest coach in the NFL. Brother, open up your eyes a little bit. There might not be a league out of the four, well... Hell, baseball. I don't know that discrimination runs through baseball. I just don't know that black people like baseball. I don't think that's discrimination or racism. I just don't think black people like it. Maybe black people are discriminating against baseball. But it's a problem in the NFL. Come on, Vic. You got to be better than that, man. And 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 I don't again. I don't want to lump Vic Vangio into the Grant Napier conversation, but I do want to lump into the things we were saying yesterday, where I don't. I think there are people who are unaware of what they're saying. I don't think it's wise for anyone to say, um, 
discrimination and racism isn't a problem in the NFL when you've had so many black players in the league say discrimination and racism is a problem in the NFL when you've had so many black voices on the outside say discrimination and racism is a problem in the NFL when you know the oldest coach in the NFL steps forward and says, oh, I don't see this as a problem. Immediately, you're going to look at that like, bro, there's a reason that the NFL's statement regarding George Floyd was absolutely eviscerated. The NFL and Tiger Woods really should have sat these statement things out. Of course, when you sit, when you sit out, that puts you in the category of James Dolan and the New York Knicks, who also sat out. And that has gone very, very poorly for them. Of course, that's on brand with the New York Knicks as everything goes poorly for them. Not, not, not the best look. Uh, not the best look by, by, by Vic Fangio. And again, everything else that he said was on point. He said he was shocked. He was angry. Uh, he believes that the, you know, the police officers should be punished to the full extent of the law. He, he didn't mean any, you, you know what I mean? There was no malice behind what he said. But in that one statement, he undermined so many different black voices. He undermined so many different black players. And that's, that's, probably something that you don't want to do when you're a leader in that locker room. And that's what Vic Fangio is. No malice, unintended consequences for his remarks. Like he's going to walk this back. I believe he's going to walk this back because I believe if it hasn't already happened, some of his players have pulled him aside. Like he praised, you know, Justin Simmons, the, the Broncos safety who's been out uh, and, and, and he's been, you know, working in Florida. He's been, uh, he, he's been spreading the word. He's been a part of the movement. Like he's, again, he did everything right. But that statement is, is undermining, and I feel like at some point he's going to walk that back. Appreciate you so much for tuning in, man. Not just today. Appreciate you so much for uh, tuning in yesterday. I'm thankful. You know, if, if we have new subscribers, if they came around one day for the Grant Napier Curiosity, hopefully you dug what you listened to today. If you came back for the follow-up, uh, hopefully they dug what they listened to yesterday and came back uh, and listened for more. Uh, but there are a lot of new ears on this podcast, and I'm thankful for each and every single one of them. Again, I, 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 this show is a sports-centric show that has dealt with the topic of race quite a bit here uh, this week. Monday's show was incredibly therapeutic for me. Tuesday's show was eye-opening for a lot of you, uh, and here we are back to a little bit of semblance of normalcy. Uh, and again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Relive with Damian Varling is available now. Please search it out uh, in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you choose to get podcasts from. Uh, if you are an old-school wrestling fan or you are a current wrestling fan, uh, please take a listen to it. I really think you're going to dig it. It's something different. It's something fun. It's a dynamic sound. Uh uh, and, and let me know what you think. If you don't like it, like, that's cool. Just shoot me a message. Let me know what you think uh, that I can do better because I'm producing episodes of that pretty quickly. 916-888-5898. And remember, you can hear the entire conversation I had with Ken Rudolph over there on patreon.com uh, slash Damien Barling. Or you can go to DamienBarling.com. I got an idea, man. Let's get out with some Stevie here. Uh, let's wrap things up with some Stevie Wonder. Uh, so, again, patreon.com slash Damien Barling. You can hear the entire conversation uh, that I had with one Kenneth Aloysius Rudolph. Uh, of course, I still refuse to uh, delete Twitter. Twitter has been very kind to me over the course of the last couple of days. So if you're not a follower there, go check that out. Damien Barling on Instagram and Twitter. And we will see you here tomorrow on the podcast with Damien Barling. Here's some Stevie Wonder.